Afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the NTT20 Monday podcast with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Alec. George, how are you doing on this Monday afternoon? Ali, I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing on this Monday afternoon? Why does this all sound very disingenuous? I don't know, but it's great. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm good. I watched so much football this weekend. Um, <laughs> you love the FA Cup, famously. I, well, I love the FA Cup, and I also love League One. So given that there was um, loads of League One football on Sky Sports and then there was loads of FA Cup football on the BBC and BT Sport, I was in clover um, for most of it, I must say. So, yeah, and again, I thought the FA Cup was great. Um, I know we're going to talk about it in a second, but I think given what happened on Friday night with the Aston Villa team and also the um, there not being any fans at games, it kind of felt like if the FA Cup was ever going to really have a, a season where it was going to lose a lot of its magic the magic of the cup then this could be it but I thought there were so many it's probably the best FA Cup third round in terms of, of stories and cup ties and um, upsets as well so long live the FA Cup it is bloody brilliant well I know you really enjoyed John Yems going mainstream Crawley thumping Leeds United on Sunday I'm going to talk to you about that in just a second and some of the other ties as well bit of League One and League Two chat and, as we promised last week, mid-season predictions. It's a little bit cheeky because in League One and League Two, it's not quite the middle of the season. And, I mean, every team seems to have played a different amount of games. So it's difficult to put your finger on when the middle of the season will be. But we're saying it's now. And what we're going to do quite simply for each division is tell you who we think from this point onwards, or at this point rather, are going to be automatically promoted. Who we think will win the playoffs, who we think will get relegated. And for each league, we will nominate a team who will be the, the biggest rival from their current position and the biggest faller from their current position. We are assuming when we're doing this that the leagues will finish on time in May having played 46 games etc etc but there's going to be a competition as well so listen out for the details of that. This podcast is sponsored by the Skybet EFL Rewards app. As you guys know this is the must-have app for any EFL fan simply because so many chances to win different kinds of prizes for doing very simple things. One of them is the predictor uh, for each round of fixtures. Pick a division whose results you would like to predict and if you come top of the leaderboard at the moment you will win a signed replica shirt of your choice all the details are currently in the app for that but also the old check-in as well if you check into any EFL game from any location you have a chance to play the spinner and if you win the spinner you might win a copy of Football Manager 2021 you might win some replica EFL balls you might win uh, match passes I follow passes or signed shirts as well so there are still tons of people winning every single week on the Skybet EFL Rewards app and you should be putting yourself in with a chance as well. So make sure you download it today and get involved, and we will be talking about it again later on in this pod. If you don't care what we have to say about the weekend in League One, League Two, or the FA Cup, you can head straight to the 15-minute mark where we start our mid-season predictions. But George, it's fair to say your weekend was made by what happened in Sussex on uh, on Sunday. <laughs> uh, the amount of excitable WhatsApps you sent me, even when the score was nil-nil, about how well Crawley was playing. And I was so pleased to see it end the way that it did. Tell me all about it. Yeah, me too. Normally I'm getting criticised for being too pro leads, So um, it's so interesting. Uh, it was a brilliant FA Cup tie. Everything about it was everything that you want to see because <clears throat> this wasn't the case of the plucky underdog looking to kind of sit deep and defend and try and pick off the opposition. It was a game where... 
Crawley as the home team really took it to Leeds. And yeah, this wasn't Leeds's um, first team, we have to say that. But it was by no means a particularly weak side. Um, the halftime substitutions, I think, raised some eyebrows given they decided to give debuts to a few youth team players despite probably being second best for the majority of the first half, which maybe shows the level of importance that Marcelo Bielsa puts on the FA Cup. You know, he took off um, Rodrigo, Streak and Cooper. I mean, Streak was, was poor anyway. Brought on Jack Jenkins and Oliver Casey and then Jack Harrison, of course, who's a first team player. Um, but second half, it was just incredible to watch Crawley just take leads apart. You know, you'd think when they went 1-0 up down to a Cerula, a brilliant Cerula goal down the left-hand side, you know, a player who's, who rightly has taken all the headlines given what's happened with him in the past, um, being released from Tottenham, being involved in a car crash. Um, for him to get a goal on the biggest stage like this against Premier League opposition was, was a fantastic moment. But you would normally would have thought that a team such as Crawley's against a team like Leeds would try and sit on their lead, but absolutely none of it at all. You know, Nadison scored two minutes later and even at 2-0, they continued to push forward. They continued to be the better attacking force in the game. You know, you look at the shot count, they had 15 shots to, to Leeds at 14. Leeds didn't even have a corner in the second half. Uh, and if you're thinking, you know, the level of pressure you'd expect them to be putting on and their style of play coupled with that, uh, it was it was really special to watch. And, you know, John Yem's rightly from us has copped some flack at times for his demeanor and his personality there's been some really good articles written about him in the press over the last couple of days um gregor robertson did a good one in the times and you know whether or not he's just that old school football man who you know he says he doesn't like technology and he doesn't really get it i mean all that all that's by the by he's managed to take a crawley side with the second lowest budget in the fl and turn them into a not only a good side, but a side who don't play caveman football. You know, they are high intensity. They're, they might play 4-4-2, but in itself, they look to be aggressive off the ball. They look to turn defenders as much as possible. They look, they get into good positions for their for their shots. This was a, an excellent advert for the Cup. And, and with Crawley, you know, anybody looking at Crawley's form recently and wondering if they can maintain that in terms of, of trying to push up into League One, you know, even with... Max Waters on the bench and coming off here, but they started with Nadison and and Nichols up front. You know, if they get two million quid in for for Waters and, and can spend a couple of maybe a ball playing midfielder, a bit of pace out wide, they're they're a serious side. This and, and John Yems has to take the credit. It's just under a year ago that we decided on this pod that Yems was our new favourite manager, not knowing a ton about him at that time. And Lots it, changed. It feels <laughs> it feels apt that he's now leading off the first five, ten minutes of this podcast after a glorious win against another manager that we spoke a lot about in glowing terms for the two previous years in Marcelo Bielsa. That really is the headline. I mean, a, a special shout to Cheltenham as well. They're another fourth tier side in the fourth round, but they only had another League Two side man field to beat from behind though they did that uh, and hopefully that will be the catalyst for some better form for Char uh, Cheltenham coming up we wait and see who these teams get in the draw and just a special shout out to narrow losers um, but but fantastic efforts from Newport up against Brighton uh, from Blackpool against West Brom as well and, and MK Dons against Burnley all three of those teams losing on penalties uh, against Premier League opposition uh, from League One we've got two Teams in the hat, Argyle and Donny, both beat championship opposition in Huddersfield and Blackburn as well. So still plenty of EFL excitement and involvement 
in the FA Cup as we await the fourth round draw. There was League One, League Two action as well, and I think we should whiz through it quickly. I would like to start by mentioning Scott Twine. Shock. I mean, I happened to be watching live um, when he scored this goal against Ipswich on the weekend. And if you haven't seen it, go straight to our Twitter account or Quest TV's Twitter account and find Scott Twine's goal for Swindon against Ipswich. It's one of the most magnificent trajectories I've ever seen uh, of football being struck with. And look, this is a born and bred Swindon kid. Um, who scores a screamer in pre-season. The fans think maybe he'll get given a go in the first team this year, but he gets loaned out to the division below. He keeps scoring screamers for the team at the top of the division below while Swindon struggle in League One, gets recalled, gets given the number 10 shirt, and his first game back on on the TV against a team near the top of the table, he goes and does that. Um, He was good all round as well, played a lovely ball out to Thompson for the first goal. Uh, The bad news, I guess, now is that Twine's contract is up in the summer, um, which is one of those suboptimal situations for the club, I think it's fair to say, because, I mean, especially on the weekend, but even before that, because of his performances with Newport, certainly would have been catching the eye. So, I mean, it was a great night for Swindon Town. They've been in really poor form since that win against Oxford um, about six weeks ago, but they were the better side here. Ipswich, classic case of just looking half-decent when trailing. But when the game was level, never looking particularly decent. And it's really concerning for an Ipswich side that have got 10 points from their last nine games, having got 22 points from their first 10 games. That complete repeat of last season. Um, And I'm sure that we will at least mention them later on in our uh, mid-season predictions for some reason. But there are a few other uh, interesting performances, interesting games. George, what, what, what did you see over the weekend from League One, League Two? I watched the... Uh, sorry, the posh Lincoln game at Lincoln, uh, which was a, a brilliant advert for the for the league. Two sides, you know. I think often when you're watching games, um, like maybe when I was watching the um, the Hull Sunderland game back, it didn't really necessarily strike me like I was watching two very good sides. In the Lincoln posh game, it did, especially when it was it was uh, eleven against eleven, Peterborough. Uh, dominated the ball early on they basically didn't really let Lincoln have a kick and I think to anybody watching this for the first time after 25 minutes either they'd have been in in no doubt that Posh were the better side but as they often do especially with with the pace up front slowly Lincoln came into it created a couple of really good opportunities on the break with, with Johnson and Scully and Howarth I think both Howarth and Johnson easily could have squared balls into the into the middle for easy goals in the first half to make it one all. Scully then scored a, a scrappy one uh, early in the second half, and then of course there was the big moment as Nathan Thompson was sent off for a second yellow. That man absolutely loves getting sent off, um, and George Grant took the penalty like a free kick and bent it wide of the right hand upright, um, which was the big moment because after that. Lincoln created a couple of chances, but nothing really too substantial. And Posh held on for the draw. Very irritating for those of us who backed over two and a half in the game, I must say. Um, but it was it, it was just an interesting game between two sides who I think are very good. I think Lincoln, again, after what happened against Sunderland uh, a few weeks ago, where they lost 4-0 at home, the kind of question marks around whether or not this is a sustainable run for them, whether or not they're actually a good team, were flared up and the way they've answered that consistently since then has shown it was just I think a one-off again against a posh side who we know 
um, man for man uh, and the way they're set up are, are a good League One side and, and, and Lincoln were unlucky not to win this one based on the second half performance uh, Grant was brilliant in the, in the middle of the park I'm so impressed with Scully uh, I think he's just like one of those all action forward players who doesn't give defenders any respite at all he's got an eye for goal another player just plucked from from a Premier League academy uh, at West Ham he's 21 years old so he's not even that young um, he looks a cracking cracking pro- prospect for them um, but yeah, a good game. Um, the story, obviously, Grant missing the penalty. Uh, but I don't think um, either side will be too upset with a, with a point. I'm feeling very, very mortal right now and slightly old when you say that 21 isn't even that young. Um, but <laughs> I, certainly, I certainly get your point. If you haven't listened to our interview with Michael Appleton on last week's Totally Football League show, Extra Time, then I would suggest that you go back and do that. Lots of different things touched upon there. Friday night, Accrington uh, impressed any viewers of Sky Sports by beating Charlton pretty handily, to be honest. Charlton had the odd spell, but overall it was hard not to leave that game thinking that there was one very good side playing like a team uh, and one side that had flashes because of some individuals but was not playing like a team and it's you know it's as impressive for Accrington as it is a little concerning for Charlton. Aki now the second best PPG points per game in, in League One and you know you might roll your eyes at the use of that and generally at this stage of the season I wouldn't be shouting about PPG but it's very very relevant in League One because they're sixth in the table but the team above them Peterborough 33 points from 19 Accrington 33 points from 17 so I think it does help to give a bit of context as to where teams actually are especially if Wobertide uh, things have to sort of stop again like last season anyway my main takeaway from that was I'm, I'm not sure Lee Bowyer um, or whoever was scouting Marcus Madison for uh, for Charlton, I would have thought that jumping out of tackles may have been listed alongside long-range strikes as one of his strengths. Uh, but Boya seemed very surprised and very disappointed that Madison was jumping out of tackles in that game. Very strong post-match interview, which uh, mixed reviews from the fan base, I think it's fair to say. They're in a tough spot at the moment in terms of form and performances Charlton Athletic, not the only one in League One, of course. Shout out Rochdale, came back from 3-0 down against Crewe to draw 3-3, big second half performance. And a nice uh, a nice stat or fact from this game was that all six goals in the game were scored by academy graduates of one of the two clubs. So all of Crewe's, uh, but also Matty Lund scored two for Rochdale and he came through Crewe's academy uh, and Aaron Morley of Dale scoring uh, for Dale. Uh, from the Dale Academy. Uh, and Burton got a big win as well uh, for Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. I mean, the standout performer, the goal scorer on his debut, just came in on loan from Blackburn, Hayden Carter, uh, scoring from a set play and part of a defence that kept a clean sheet for the first time all season for Burton, uh, who sat a bit deeper, who were very compact defensively compared to how they've looked in recent weeks under Jake Buxton. Really positive result to get the Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank uh, comeback campaign started but a long way to go for them still at the bottom of the table uh, George in League 2 a couple of eye-catching results for you which one most of all <clears throat> I guess the South End result has to be right up there um, beating Barrow a kind of a resurgent Barrow side as well we previewed this on the Turkey Football League show extra time as well uh, they took the lead very early um, through a new signing on loan from Portsmouth in uh, Rico Hackett Fairchild a really nice finish into the bottom uh, left-hand corner and from then on, you know, Barrow had their chances. Mark Oxley made some big saves to keep them in it. Uh, Greg Halford got sent off midway through the second half, um, which didn't help their cause at all. But they kept it fairly solid and they were good value for their win. So we, we're continuing to see that this new South End, this transfer embargo-free South End, 
are actually all right. Um, we're going to talk about them again fairly soon because I've done some digging into how sustainable this is going to be. Um, but at the moment, you have to give, you know, the club were down and out. The club were effectively relegated six weeks ago and now they are within touching distance of safety. So a huge win for them, especially against another side who are battling for their lives. You also had Port Vale's shackles off after Askey's departure, a 3-0 win versus Grimsby with Danny Pugh in interim charge in that one. Uh, and Wes Houlihan providing another masterclass for Cambridge to win from behind versus Harrogate. Uh, that win puts Cambridge in the automatic promotion places, albeit they have played more games than the other teams around them. Now it's time for the meaty part of the pod. But it was a busy and lively weekend, and hopefully you've appreciated a, a brief review of all things FA Cup, League One and League Two. But now for essentially mid-season re-predictions, if you will. Um, because we've got a lot to get through, I don't think there's going to be tons and tons and tons of justification. But if you'd like to tweet us at NTT20pod, I'm sure we will show us, uh, I w- I'm sure we can show you more working, uh, although we will tell you why we've said what we're about to say. But basically, we're going to pick the automatic promoted teams, the playoff teams, or the playoff winner, I should say, uh, the relegated teams, and a big riser from now to the end of the season and a big faller from now until the end of the season as well. There's a competition running alongside this that we want you guys to get involved with. When I release this podcast, I will also tweet the podcast and pin the tweet to the top of our profile to make it easy to find. In order to enter the competition, I want you to quote tweet that tweet with the seven team names. We want the seven teams in the three EFL leagues that you think will be automatically promoted come the end of the season. Top two in the championship, top two in League One and the top three in League Two. That's all you need to do in terms of a prediction. And at the end of the season, we will go back through your entries and the winner will get £50 to spend either on ClassicFootballShirts.com or on your club's replica shirt and as well a £25 donation to a charity close to your heart. So that's how to enter. should be very easy. We just want the seven automatically promoted teams come the end of the EFL season. And now let's tell you what we think. Uh, George, in the championship, top two, automatically promoted. What are your predictions come May? Just as a reminder, pre-season, we had Norwich and Brentford finishing in the top two. Norwich and Brentford. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> I, I mean, given that we're also going to give our playoff winner, I'm just going to say that I think the top three will be Norwich, Brentford and Bournemouth. And I think... Um, I know that Brentford didn't get promoted in the playoffs last season, but like last season, I think the the third of those teams, the one that misses out, is the most likely to win the playoffs, just in the same way that Brentford was seen as the most likely to win last season's playoffs. Um, I think even though Swansea, you have to be impressed by Swansea and what they're doing, <clears throat> I, I still feel like this is kind of points on the board territory here, getting as many kind of during this good run of good form, during this run where they're conceding so few goals. Um, it's putting them in a really good position but I don't expect them to necessarily maintain it. I think Norwich's transfer policy, which is, as we're seeing, they are happy to reject multi-tens of millions of pounds for certain players in order to preserve their promotion push, is very significant here. I think Brentford are in quite a fortunate position where, because it's a largely a new side, there isn't really any transfer speculation about their key players either. Um, their defensive solidity has been really important in this season. I still don't think it's as good a side man for man as last season's side I, I think it's definitely not but I think Thomas Frank you know it's it's more of a side created in the image of Frank himself the way that he wants to play and as a 
cohesive unit, um, they are in better shape. I, I do still think that Bournemouth are, you know, have the quality, and we've seen plenty of times them put put teams to the sword. They are probably going to lose a couple of players in uh, in Jan. I think Josh King is going to be off, although he's not a massive loss because he hasn't played very much. It sounds like David Brooks is going to stay in the same kind of line as, as what I was saying with Wendy. So that has to be, be a positive as well, that they're looking to keep hold of players. But the key for me is I have more trust and faith in Thomas Frank and uh, Daniel Farker than I do um, with Jason Tindall. And that isn't necessarily a slight against Tindall at all. I just still don't really know much about him as a tactician or a manager. He's got a brilliant group of players. He's doing very well with them. When push comes to shove, and the and the you know, what other cliche can I use? When, when the when the heat is on, uh, can, will he be able when to? When the going gets tough, exactly. Will he be able to to stand up and be counted? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. And for that reason, I would favour Norwich and Brentford just above Bournemouth, but with notable mentions, of course, for Swansea, who who I still think will be right there. Right. So I'm not exactly the same as you, um, but but basically very similar thought process. Uh, Norwich. I think we'll be the champions and if not I think we'll comfortably finish in the top two I don't see any key reasons why they would suffer the sort of drop-off needed to drop out of the top two now with the buffer that they have already I got a bit of a stick a bit of stick a few weeks ago for suggesting that they weren't that good defensively compared to some in the league and that a lack of clean sheets might hurt them every now and again in individual games which I still think was a fair thing to mention I should have said that Cruel's return will improve that and he's back now and he will make a big difference but we saw when they they didn't win uh, they drew and lost one not long after that um, where they just didn't finish their chances and because they weren't keeping clean sheets that that ended up in uh, well a bit of an issue for them but for the most part Norwich are good enough to blow most teams away in this division um, I think they could easily get stronger which considering they've already got a bit of a gap at the top of the table is pretty concerning for the rest of the league they've got quite a tough next six so don't be surprised if Norwich drop a few points over the next month or so but ultimately I expect them to be too strong I think they've got well they've got the character personality the manager that's done it before the star players the style of play that's repeatable. I mean, everything that I want. And then with Brentford, I mean, we, as you say, we, we predicted them to come second pre-season. They've pretty much done everything we hoped of them, uh, maybe even more than I expected, because we were a little bit worried about how they'd cope with various departures. And I don't have any major qualms about bees and swans. Uh, Swansea are on 1.87 points per game. Brentford and Bournemouth are on 1.86. So there is nothing between them at the moment. And even projecting going forward... I don't feel that strongly about this, but the big change from pre-season, because we had Swans fourth as well, don't forget, we were expecting quite a lot from them, is the strength of Bournemouth compared to what I expected beforehand. And that's why I'm just leaning towards Bournemouth here. I just think that, you know, I suppose it's a little bit of a cop-out, but ultimately I think one or two key injuries to Brentford players could really scupper them in a way that I don't think... Bournemouth you know would suffer to quite the same extent and it's a bit of a cop-out to pick potential injuries that haven't even happened uh, as why you would lean towards someone but they're so tight that I am just going to lean towards Bournemouth and, and the strength of how they've played both going forward and defensively over the season they've been excellent so I you know it might seem a bit boring that we've ended up with two relegated promote uh, Premier League teams but there we go Norwich and Bournemouth who I'm picking and playoff winner I'm actually going to pick Swans but in my head, they beat Brentford on penalties because nothing can split them through 90. <laughs> nothing can split them through 120. It's probably one all 
after extra time. Swansea are going to concede. And then Swansea are going to score wow. on penalties. Yeah. Um, um, okay. I just wanted to give a, a, another mention quickly. Two things. Yeah. I think Middlesbrough are the forgotten runner in this race. I right. still think they're very good. And the way they're playing is still at a high level. They are, um, you know, if they win their game in hand, then they are just four points off um, the automatics. And I can imagine if they get into the playoffs, the way that Warnock sets them up, um, will make them very, very hard to... Well, they'll be a very difficult opponent. Um, and just because we'll get shouted at, if we don't, Reading look fairly decent and I wouldn't be massively surprised if they end up in the playoffs. I think of the lot up there at the moment, they're probably the most likely to fall away. Interesting to see if they do keep Olise over the window, but you know he doesn't start every game anyway, so it wouldn't be the end of the world if they do lose him. Although him and Richards would probably be a blow. And Watford, obviously we had a look, quick look at the data stuff before... Um, doing this podcast because they're good kind of predictive tools and interesting to note that Watford's XG4 has been sky high over the last kind of four to eight games uh, averaging 2.05 in the last four games uh, 1.6 in the last eight so maybe signs and the ratio is good as well so maybe signs there that you know the fans are right and if Andre Gray can stop hitting the ball over the bar from three yards then they might put put together a fair a decent enough run and they're definitely within they're close enough to to get right amongst it kick it in the goal Andre for God's yes. sake mate um, yeah. okay let's go down to the bottom which teams we think will be relegated from the championship pre-season as a reminder we had Wickham we had Rotherham and we had Huddersfield I think it's fair to say that Huddersfield is certainly well away from it at the moment although mm-hmm. recent form has been hit and miss um, who have you got as your three relegated teams as of now Kind of reluctantly, I've got Wickham and, Wickham and Rotherham in there um, because even if I do think they, both of them have it in them to put together a run to get out of it, there's no denying that they are the most likely to get relegated still. And then QPR are the third team that I've got um, who I'm just incredibly concerned about. I think they are a, a poor team getting worse and I'm not really convinced that Charlie Austin um, is necessarily the answer there because it's not like... I mean, I know that Lyndon Dykes isn't a very prolific finisher anyway, nor is Macaulay Bond, but it's not like they're missing a whole host of chances and that's the reason why. And, and what Dykes and Bond offer you off the ball or outside of the six-yard box um, is pretty helpful and Charlie Austin will offer none of that, really. Um, you know, He's not somebody who holds the ball up particularly well. He's not someone who runs much off the ball. So I'm, I'm pretty concerned about QPR and there are a couple of teams down towards the bottom. Um, you know, Derby, I think, are going to improve massively. Sheffield Wednesday, despite having basically as bad a start of the season as you can really have. They're currently out of the relegation zone despite the, the six-point deduction. Like they're, I think they've got enough about them to kind of stay stay away from it. So I mean, a lot hinges on who they appoint at this stage, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think they've probably got enough even without, you know. Like, it, like they're just... They're, they are a side who are better. in terms. They've gone through two managers. They've sat both of them for performance issues and they've still got... If you add the six points that they lost, you know they're they're healthily away from it. So it would take a downturn of fortunes in order to to get them into it. Yeah, I mean, along similar lines to you, uh, Wickham and Rotherham, um, you know, with regret, um, and then Birmingham for me. I, I mean, it was 
if you think that Derby will continue to pick up points uh, when Wayne Rooney is appointed, when the takeover goes through this week, which has been heavily reported that it will, if you think that Sheffield Wednesday, which I I, I agree with you, uh, are just about good enough to be sort of moving away from it. Forrest is still a bit of a wild card. I think there's still an assumption that they will improve markedly under Chris Hutton that hasn't necessarily been shown too much in performances since he, he came in. Um, they haven't actually lost in their last five, two wins and three draws. So, you know, recent form just getting a little bit better. So I think it's it's that Millwall-Birmingham QPR group. Now you're looking at the teams basically in the worst form in the division, aside from Rotherham and Wickham as well. So it's a bit of a pylon to sort of just, you're trying to work out whose poor form will extend from now to the end of the season. And I'm choosing Birmingham over QPR. Um I just think results have been really poor and performances have been really, really poor. Um, it's a board that I would never trust to make the right footballing decision or a group of footballing decisions. And it's a manager known to have tensions with, with previous boards um, and to fall out with people at times. So, I mean, I just wouldn't be surprised if everything really blew up at Birmingham in a way that QPR, although I don't think anything is ideal there at the moment, I just have a little bit more hope that they could stay level-headed. Um, and there's just, you know, there's no creativity in the team at all outside of, of Sanchez. Um, you know, QPR might moan about strikers. It's not like Birmingham are blessed with them at all. That No one has scored more than two goals for them in the league so far this season. So I'm pretty concerned for Blues. Um, and I just feel like a, a stretch of, of poor decision-making and, and bad footballing decisions at the top of a club generally ultimately ends in relegation. And, and, you know, they've been pretty close the last few years and I'm worried that this might be it for them. A biggest riser and biggest faller from now until the end of the season. I've picked Derby for biggest riser just mm. because we've been so encouraged with the way that they've been playing recently. Um, hopefully this takeover will get through and hopefully Rooney can can really start sort of stamping his authority even further on things. And then it's just the fact that they're in 22nd already. Um, so unless unless something blows up, the only way is up for them. I could see them rising, you know, five, six, seven places between now and the end of the season. What about you? I can see them rising seven, eight, nine places Whoa. between now and the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I've got Derby down. Uh, they are just in a false position at the moment. And again, there's no worries about any of their key players leaving, which is crucial. Um, John Percy's reporting that Rooney's about to be appointed manager, irrespective of the takeover. So that is quite clearly good news because their improvement since he's been in charge has been stark. So Derby definitely won and Luton the other. Um, obviously Luton had a great start to the season, then a bit of a wobble, but um, their home form is unbelievably good. They've won um, four of their last seven. Um, you know, they've won four of their last five. Actually, they're unbeaten in their last seven. The only draw they're coming, a nil-nil draw against Bournemouth. Um, Nathan Jones has them doing really good stuff and back to the kind of the XG stuff again they are kind of the current data darlings I guess last 10 match sorry last eight matches they rank second for XG ratio only behind Brentford third for the last four games improving on that last eight games as well so signs out of Luton are very very good indeed creating a lot of chances going forward solid at the back um, and you know they're currently in 14th uh, they are seven points off the playoffs I think they'll probably fit up yeah, I mean, if they carry on playing the way they are, they'll have they'll flirt with the playoffs, mm-hmm. probably falling just short. But um, but yeah, I think they're a side who are definitely, you know, if if you're probably Birmingham, Millwall, I mean, I'm worried about Millwall too, to be honest, and even Coventry. But if you're Coventry, Millwall, Birmingham, you're, you're probably looking above, thinking who else might be sucked into this. You might think Luton would be one of those. I do not think that'll happen. 
Who do you think might have a bit of a tumble between now and the end of the season? Obviously, you think QPR will drop into the relegation places, but they haven't got that far to fall until they hit the very bottom. Is there anyone else that you fear for? Yeah, I think Stoke and Bristol City will fall away from the playoff party, basically. Um, I think Bristol City um, are still probably being judged on their early season form. I think the same as Jason Tindall. I think Dean Holden is a a manager who's learning his trades um, and the signs for the last, I don't know, seven, eight, nine games hasn't been particularly good. And Stoke, I just don't think are a particularly good side. I think if you're a good football team, you can find a way to break them down. They offer very little going forward. Um, I think they're in a bit of a false position in eighth. Um, so I, those would be the two I'd, I'd anticipate going downwards. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I had Bristol City aside from Birmingham, I'm afraid. I could see them dropping another four, five, six places. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the, the, the injury issues, and they have been extensive, are the sort of biggest excuse, I suppose, for the recent uh, results. And by recent, I really mean stretching over about two month, a, a two-month period now. But the performances have been really poor as well. Um, and the way that they've gone about things doesn't make me think that just a few individuals coming back makes it better. They still do have a really strong, I think, first 11. So this is one of those that might look very silly when everyone's back fit and if they can get a bit of consistency of, of um, you know, of starting 11. But I'm just not fully buying into it. Um, and I think even in many of their wins... Since that really good start, um, what have they won? Nine games in total, 10 games in total. I would say even in, in their last six wins, there's been a lot of unconvincing performances. So just unconvinced in general, uh, can see them dropping down. Before we get to League One, just a, a, another reminder that we're sponsored by the Skybet EFL Rewards app. And you really should have that app. There's no real reason not to because it's a great way to give yourself a chance of winning prizes for free um, just for playing little mini games in the app. So one of them is the predictor. Um, predict a, a set of fixtures each game week in an individual EFL league. And if you are at the top of the leaderboard, you'll win a signed shirt from your club. Uh, but also the check-in feature. If you check into your team's game from anywhere in the world at any time, um, you will be in with a chance of winning replica EFL footballs, Football Manager 2021 things like match streaming passes as well and signed shirts too. So lots of chances to win on the Skybet EFL Rewards app, which you can download from the App Store. Plenty of people winning every single week. In League One, George, I mean, it's mid-season predictions, but we're not we're not even close to halfway through here. Um, I mean, I think Accrington have played 17 of 46 games. So it's it's a bit farcical, but this is the, this is the week that we uh, anointed as the, the mid-season uh, predictions week. So tell me, at the top of League One, who you think is going to finish in the top two places, all being well, and um, as long as we get to finish the season. Yeah, I found this really tricky. Mm. Um, me too. And I've, I've gone for Portsmouth and Lincoln. Same. Ah. You don't seem very happy about it. Well, because it's I'm, hard. I'm just I'm a bit confused by Hull generally yeah. because I've watched quite a lot of Hull this season. I watched their Pompey game, I've watched the Sunderland game back, I watched the Fleetwood game. I mean, maybe they just don't turn up when the Sky cam- cameras are there. But um, and and you look at their their starting lineup as well, and it's hard to really imagine them having the staying power or being good enough. Um, to stay at the top end of the table. We have seen a drop-off of form, obviously, um, you know, and, and that that comfortable win against Charlton doesn't quite, you know, the form doesn't quite stack up given the way that Charlton are performing at the moment. Underlying so, numbers are still pretty good, though. They are very good, <laughs> I know. 
I know. Um, but I just think, I mean, as I've, I'm not going to talk about Pompey for long because I've said it a million times over the last year. I think they're the best team in the division. I think even if it's not particularly um, exciting with Kenny Jacket in charge, he knows what he's doing. And over the course of 46 games, I anticipate they will have enough points to be in the top two teams. Uh, with Lincoln, it's just getting to a stage now where firstly, they've proven they are one of the better teams and points on the board again. You know, it, even if you think they're going to have a fair old drop off, and they may do that. They could still finish in the top two. They've got 42 points from 21 games. They are, albeit with games in hand for teams below them, there is a healthy distance between them and you know the teams down in the playoffs. You look at Peterborough, for example, they're nine points ahead of them with two games played more. So even if Peterborough were to win those two, they're still like a, a decent cap. And they have a manager who I have uh, the utmost faith will, you know, this isn't a fluke. He's just... Uh, coach who is well, well above this level in Michael Appleton. So they're my top two. But there are, unlike in the championship, there are probably seven teams mm. below who it wouldn't be a massive surprise if they put a run together and, and, and broke in. Well, I've got the same top two as you um, f- for very similar reasoning. I-, I think the words I would use for Pompey, which made me put them in my top two, were probably the most consistent and I think the most robust. Um, when you look at, at Hull... Uh, <laughs> As you said, a bit of a head-scratcher at the moment. Some really, really poor performances. Overall, it's obviously been a very good start to the season. There just still always feels like a lingering chance that things could absolutely implode at Hull. And maybe that is really harsh, and it's not even necessarily to do with Grant McCann, but more to do with dodgy relationship between fan and ownership. Um, quite quick to unrest, I think, a lot of uh, a lot of the fan base uh, after poor performances. Not a huge amount of trust in Grant McCann, I think, for, from a lot of the fans as well. And those can be quite tough conditions to work in. Um, and, yeah, it's just a bit of a weird one, isn't it? I, I, I slightly... I had to put them to one side, really, because I just don't trust them. With Donny, I mean, they're in fourth. They've had a brilliant run and they're a great side, but heavily reported that Ben Whiteman will leave. And if you subscribe to the view that Whiteman is not only one of the best players in the division, but one of the most key to his team players in the division, then it's a bit of a concern and, and it makes them very tough to to back for automatic promotion at this point. Peterborough's recent performances have been poor, so have Charlton's. Accrington, I guess, are the kind of wild card who, you know, everyone's sitting up and taking notice. They've got so many games to catch up on. They've got a really good points tally and a points per game tally. I mean... I think the gauntlet is still laid down to them to keep proving people wrong. Um, got so much respect for what they're doing, but it, it's just such a challenge as it would be for any team to to play as many games as they're going to have to play. Um, and then you've got Ipswich, who we haven't fancied for a long time. Crew, who we like a lot, down in ninth now, but you really are quite a long way off the top and they've played the most games along with Lincoln out of anyone in the top half. And then you get down to Streaky Lee and Sunderland in 10th. So I, mean, I went with uh, Portsmouth and Lincoln as well uh, there and for the playoffs as I've just said it's very hard to tell who's even going to make the playoffs let alone pick uh, a winner I I honestly I, <laughs> I honestly came down on Sunderland which wow. I was not expecting and you know and I'm I'm this is pure like gut feeling it's not based on performances it's not p- based on underlying performance data I don't particularly love the squad and I'm and I'm I'm always aware that Lee Johnson's Bristol City side never necessarily reached the heights that I wanted them to. But I just have a feeling we've got a streaky Lee streak coming. 
Um, and I think I think if he can make them a little bit better going forward and not lose some of, of what they've got already defensively, I just think their accumulation of points between now and the end of the season could be pretty consistent. I think they could make the playoffs. And when you get to the playoff, who knows? I just, I've just got a funky feeling it's Sunderland, you know? Interesting. I, I haven't got them in. On my playoff four, I've got down here uh, Doncaster, Peterborough, Hull, Accrington. Accrington has two question marks. That's why it was really... Um, but that we have to talk about, about, about Accrington because we can't sit here and say they're there by merit. We can't sit here and point out that actually if you take points per game rather than the league table, they are far higher than their position at the moment suggests. We can't watch them on, on Sky on Friday night and see how they were such a good side and, and beat Charlton at the Valley and deserve, were deserving of their win and then leave them out of this conversation because they've played enough games now. We're, we're, we're enough through the season for this not to really to be a fluke. And, and in John Coleman, we have a manager. We, we, you know, When they did this in League Two, even though it's a level below, the unlikelihood was kind of the same. Like They were never going to get there. It was never meant to happen. And they did, they did it twice. They had the one season where they were you know, a minute away from going up automatically and then Bristol Rovers scored a very late goal to to nick that place off them. They, they had a season in between and then came up the, the year after. So from what I know about Accrington, they're not really going anywhere. And do I think they would win the playoffs? I'd, I'm not going to call them my pick, but I'd be anybody who thinks they're going to fall away, I would urge caution. I think Doncaster are proving again, they are, you know, they've played fewer games than most as well. And consistently over the last... 18, 90 games have been very good. I think Hull are, are probably my most likely. Um, but they're, you know, I don't think this is as clear cut. And, and there are other teams lower down in, you know, as an Oxford fan myself, I have aspirations of us getting into the playoffs. Crew fans will also look and, and hope they can get in there. Ipswich fans will tell you that if they sat Paul Lambert, they're a lock for second probably. So, um, And then we haven't even mentioned Charlton who are in seventh. It's so open. Uh, it is really open. I, yeah, I, I, I don't have Sunderland at the moment as being good enough to well not being good enough as one of the likely people in the playoffs but I do get your point if they're in there they're probably going to be favourites because of the run that have, that have taken them to that position well I thought that my Sunderland opinion was like pretty crazy and then looked at the odds and they're the favourites currently to win the playoffs and I think <laughs> I think they're still third favourites for promotion in League One which seems pretty crazy given their current position but there you go yes you, or Price Roxford you realise you didn't pick a team there right Hull Hull okay well done uh, I don't know what Price Oxford are you can work that one out um, relegation teams four to choose from pre-season we had Shrewsbury who, I mean, a month ago, we'd have felt pretty good about that, but Steve Cotterell seems to be steering them to some sort of safety. Um, we also had Burton, Northampton and Rochdale, very much still part of the conversation. We had Wigan just outside. You might remember that when we recorded, we, you know, they barely had any players. We had no idea how quickly or not a takeover would go through and what would happen with their administration. So that was, you know, we didn't really know where to put them. Now I would have them in the relegation places because... They've had a really tough time on the field this season. They've had some famous and very, very impressive wins. But even now, a takeover hasn't gone through. They're still looking for new owners. They're still having to remove players from the wage bill, which means someone like Cal Naismith has just left the club, one of their better players. So, I mean, I've got Wigan in the bottom four. Do you have them as well? Yeah, I do. In part because from what I'm reading about possible takeovers, there's a, there's a fairly high possibility that they're going to be on four points quite soon. 
right? Um, because there might be a 15-point deduction. I wouldn't put it... it. It's so difficult. You know, with Naismith leaving this week, it does feel like things are going to get worse rather than better for Wigan in January, even if they don't have another another deduction. But, I mean, they're two points off. Yeah, I mean, they're in my bottom four. Yes, they okay. are. But I, I'm, I, I, I'm not ruling that out a, a great escape okay. either. And who else is in your bottom four? Burton, yep. who, Mine despite too. their win against Gillingham, you know, they played the only team in the league who played 23 games, let alone 22. So they played two more games than everybody else in the league, which is mad. They played six more games than Accrington. And they are, um, and they're five points off. So even though that was a big win for them uh, against Gillingham uh, on the weekend, I don't think Jimmy Floyd is going to have enough to save them personally. Um, I've also got the team. Well, I've got Northampton as well, um, who you know have rallied a bit as of late um, with four points from their last two. Um, but I think we've seen a couple of times, especially you know the Lincoln game and the Oxford game, that they. Um, they can be pretty poor defensively and I think when they go behind they have no real answer and as they try and unleash some kind of an attacking effort um, the, the kind of goals can flood in at the other end and it's not that surprising you look at their team and personnel I don't really see where the goals come from The defensively they look pretty suspect I mean, Lloyd James' Lloyd Jones's arrival seems to have instigated something of a defensive um, firmer footing and they did have injury problems as well but I think they at the moment, look worse to me than Rochdale and Swindon. Surprisingly, Swindon, I think I'm having out of there purely because they've done some quite good-looking transfer business, even if it does look like Scott Twine might still leave permanently at some point in January. Um, we don't know that yet, but as you mentioned with the, with the contract situation. And my last one, a bit of a wild card, is Gillingham. Um, and my fourth team for relegation. That's a huge they, wild card. Love it. They, they're six points, only six points clear of Rochdale at the moment in 21st. Um, they've played 21 games as well. So, they, they, you know, they, if you if you were to pause now and people were to catch up, they'd probably be a lot closer to it. They put in some rank displays recently. Um, you know, the 3-1 loss against the te- team I've just spoken about, Northampton, the 1-0 defeat against um, Burton on the weekend as well. They've lost 11 games this season. That's the same amount of defeats as Wigan. And I think they've been incredibly lucky to be where they are they started the season fairly well they had a couple of unbelievably fortuitous wins in games early in the season where they were conceding plenty of chances and managed to come out on top despite being the, the poorest side throughout um i think they're, they're just not a very good team and um are destined to fall close and it might not be very long until they're right there uh, i think steve evans has got a hell of a job on his hands in january to try and strengthen the squad i'm sure we'll be told that they are or incredible footballers when they come in. But as hopefully Gillingham fans are learning now, falling for that trick isn't necessarily the smartest thing to do. A couple of really tricky away games coming up next against Accrington and Lincoln. I think after those two, it won't be such a bold prediction. Interesting. Okay. Well, I've got Rochdale in my bottom four, slightly doubling down on what I said about them earlier (laughs) on in the season. I still think, I mean, they, they have overperformed my expectations for them uh, and they're still in the relegation zone don't get me wrong although they've got a couple of games in hand over Northampton notably um, as well good comeback on the weekend I, I just I don't know I think some of their wins have been so eye-catching as to have been like a little bit random but I think their average performance their average result has been concerning whereas like I've actually I'm really torn between Swindon and Northampton to stay up Northampton their record against the teams around them is brilliant. That's what's propping them up. And 
I guess what you have to work out is whether that is um, by luck or by design, you know, whether they will keep beating the teams around them, which will probably keep them above them, or whether they've just got a little bit lucky in some of those games, but ultimately there's there's no real reason why they should be beating those teams around them. But from here, they have got mostly home games against the bottom half, but Northampton have got to go away to nine of the top 12, which equally feels like a bit of a disaster. They have been thrashed by almost every team they've played in the top half of the of the table this season so um from the swindon point of view kind of encouraged by their performance on the weekend encouraged by the fact that i still think they've got some really good players even outside of twine like jayasimi i think has match winning performances in him like we saw uh on the weekend thompson i'm not going to overreact to a to um to a debut but looked really good uh and you know they really haven't had any sort of attacking threat from their fullbacks this season. And that's the sort of thing that can raise a team's ceiling. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, could the Hitman Pittman get fit, stay fit, score a few goals? Possibly. Um, and, and as you say, I feel like they will be active in the transfer market in January. Um, so basically, I think Swindon versus Northampton on the 27th of February is huge. And whoever, <laughs> whoever wins that will stay up. At the moment, I'm going to pick Swindon to stay up. I believe in their sort of quality overall uh, to do that. So the other thing I want to say about this is that I think it sounds weird. Some of these teams have been better than I thought they would, but are still in the relegation battle because I think the quality of like the mid-table teams and the size of the, you know, the decent sides in the division are is is bigger this year, has risen this year. And that makes it really hard for those teams down at the bottom. I mean, we haven't mentioned Wimbledon at all here who've been on a terrible run and are just outside the relegation places. I assume that's because we both saw that even in this poor run, like the underlying numbers are quite good. And so I guess that's that's kind of why we haven't really mentioned them. But certainly a team to watch in case the uh, the performances start moving in line with, with the results and uh, confidence drops. Um, big riser from now till the end of the season and a big faller, George, still in League One this. Um, my big riser, unsurprisingly, is MK Dons, who <laughs> I still think are a really good um, League One side. And eventually, whether it's this season or next season, it's going to click. Um, and they're doing some interesting bits and bobs in the transfer window as well. So I still think MK will improve. Um, and Faller, I've got Ipswich and Gilliam. But Ipswich, uh, I mean, they are just pretty desperate at the moment. And we always think that the relationship between manager and fan has hit rock bottom with them, but it, it hit another low with the with the defeat against Swindon. Um, seeing a lot of Ipswich fans talking about getting in touch with the club and, and trying to persuade the club to make a change, it just feels pretty toxic there. And, and no, you know, it's pretty rare that this happens. No Ipswich fan thinks they're the eighth best team in League One. Mm. Um, and I would have to agree with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got Ipswich as well basically have written if you tell me that Paul Lambert will stay to the end of the season then there are a lock here um, but it's quite hard to second guess the owner Marcus Evans at this stage and what chance if if he left and someone else came in someone we considered to be a good appointment as much as you can when an appointment is made I don't think either of us would be surprised to see a turnaround in fortune so that makes them quite hard to pick confidently here similar with Donny and, and it's more the fact that they're so high in the table at this stage in fourth um, and and how much I think they might miss Ben Whiteman if he's sold. But I'll stick with Ipswich. Uh, League two, top three, automatic promotion, pre-season, George, we had Salford, Tranmere and Cheltenham Town. Who have we got now? Who have you got now? I have got none of the above. Nice. 
I've got one of the above. I've got Carlisle. Yeah. Forest Green. Mm-hmm. And Morecambe. Nice. Tell me about Morecambe. It, it's similar to the Accrington um, pick where there's enough evidence here. You know, Morecambe are a top three, four, five level team in League Two. And that stacks up. If you look at the XG data again, last four matches, they're second. Last eight matches, they're top. Last 12 matches, they are second. Um, season to date, they are um, down in sixth. They are just a side who have improved as the season's gone on. And Derek Adams, they have a manager who's got a promotion from this level before. Just forget that they're called Morecambe. Call them something else. And I think we would all be in agreement that they are one of the protagonists. Also in League Two, I've got concerns about other sides. I think Cheltenham's form recently, I'm sure it will improve again, but they have been pretty like actively poor for their last five games in the league. Um, and with Newport losing key personnel, going through a tricky run of form, uh, I mean, play, playing 120 minutes last night in the cup won't help their their immediate form either. Issues with the pitch going forward. Um, you know, it's a massive window now for for um, Michael Flynn because they've got players they need to to replace. Scott Twine being, of course, one of them. So question marks around them um, and Morecambe are, are right in at the moment, just five points off top spot. Crawley are another side who I, I obviously respect after what they've done. Salford, I think we need to see some... I mean, they could race into the um, the the most likely to finish in the top three very quickly with just a couple of good performances. But at the moment, um, I've been disappointed by their last two games. So just where this podcast is falling. Um, if we'd done it a week ago, I may have said Salford. But now uh, my three, yeah, Carlisle, Forest Green and Morecambe. Yeah, strong pick for Carlisle for me as well. That Just an amazing and extended honeymoon period for the club. It seems to be getting better and better. Um, they've sorted some things out early in January with a, a Chris Beach contract extension, one for his assistant manager as well, who's very popular, Skelton, and Bennett, the centre-back, who's um, who's signing sort of uh, a couple of months ago on a free, really raised the level of the defence and who literally played like three games and all the fans were like, oh my God, like we've got to lock this guy down. No way he should be playing in League Two. Uh, and they've managed to get him uh, signed up as well for the rest of the season. So good signs for Carlisle there. I have got Cheltenham in there you know it's just because of my trust for Mike Duff and my trust for just the way things are at that club I am definitely concerned about the recent form but I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to put on record that I don't think that will continue forever um, and hopefully that the, the FA Cup win against Mansfield can be a bit of a catalyst a reminder of of who they are Cheltenham and what they can be at their best uh, and I have got Forest Green as well I mean, they've already, in this window, they've lost two players that I'd consider to be two of their five or six best players in Carl Winchester and uh, and Liam Kitching. I know Kitching's been out the side because of the, the transfer rumours, um, but I still think he's a good player. So they've got work to do, but I guess I also trust in Forest Green to, to do that, to be active in the transfer market, and they always seem to attract pretty strong looking players so I'm I'm going to trust the process and go with Forest Green as my third team while recognising everything you said about Crawley about Yemsey going all the way about about the form team in Morecambe uh, and even goal hungry Exeter um, who are in 10th but you know it's all very bunched up my playoff winner is actually Newport George because I don't think they'll I don't think they'll be in the top three I think they will be in the playoffs and I trust them in cup competitions I know they didn't do it last time they were in the playoffs 
but I just think I just think you know I, d- I don't think they're going to absolutely implode. So I would I would trust Flinney to have them right by the time the playoffs come around. And I, I'm picking pl- uh, Newport as my playoff winner. Mansfield. Oh, I'm guessing they may also be your biggest riser. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think we might have gone a bit early on Mansfield, you and I, um, initially when um, Clough took over and they had a good run of form and we said, this is it. Now, this is it. I'm telling you that now. Mansfield, over the last three or four games, have been a totally, totally new side. And it stacked up in every single sense. The performances, the eye test have been very good indeed. They've beaten uh, Scunthorpe, Mansfield and Salford scoring nine goals in those three games. Um, the data stacks up as well. It's helped a bit by being 1-0 up for a long period against South End, but they have a 76% XG ratio in their last four games. Now, that is unsustainably good, but at the same time, is also incredibly good. Um, they gave Cheltenham a very good game in the FA Cup midweek. Um, they're just a side who I think are progressing rapidly. And it's so easy to look at them in 16th and be like, oh, you know, this is just such a boring prediction. You know, but I remember when you and I had a conversation last January about Hull getting relegated. We were like, yeah, like you can see the reasoning, but they're, they're 12th. Like, they're going to be fine. Within four weeks, they were in the relegation zone. Like things happen quickly. You've got to follow the form. If Mansfield do get into that uh, playoff, those playoff places, then it's going to be due to a run of form, which will have them as one of the best teams in the division. And I think they might just get there. Only five wins this season so far but i think they're going to make it a fair few more bold bold i think um the relegation in league two i probably found harder than any other part of this um and and almost more upsetting as well because pre-season we picked scunthorpe and south end to be relegated 10 games into this season we would have felt like we were absolute geniuses uh at having predicted that then both teams have had and in the case of Southend, are still having uh, an extended run of good form. Um, and yet I've still fallen down with Scunthorpe and Southend as my bottom two. Yeah, I mean, I found this really difficult as well, because I think Grimsby and Stevenage are also two very poor sides. And, you know, we have to have a lot of faith in Paul Hurst to think that he's just going to miraculously make Grimsby much better and get them out of this mess. Um, I've got Southend too, because even though I think the run is brilliant, we it's important not to get too overexcited with the flash in the pan. Data-wise, they're still right at the bottom, even with the last few performances and victories. Part of that will be because they're defending leads, of course. Um, I think Barrow are the one team I think will get clear of it quite quickly. Um, I expect them to improve, even though you know they lost to Southend midweek. Stevenage have turned something of a corner. Um, I'm going to say Grimsby and Southend are my two relegated. I think that Paul Hurst isn't happy with the squad that he's got and you can see why. And I think him, if, if he manages to get them safe, it'll be a hell of an effort. They've played more games than anyone else in the league. Um, but I do I do worry about Scunthorpe, but they seem to be able to pick up wins in kind of, you know, they've won seven games this season. I don't know. It's so difficult. Yeah. It's so difficult. But, but the current bottom two are the ones I'm going to stick with. Yeah, I have to be honest and say that the reason I've got Grimsby surviving is just you know, maybe my last morsel of support for Paul Hurst, whose whose last few jobs haven't gone very well, I would excuse him for almost all of the the Ipswich shenanigans. Um, and I think we've seen that that Scunny themselves, uh, when he took over them last year and and over the last three or four years, have been a tough team to be manager of as well. But 
you know, it's another tough job for, for the reasons you mentioned. Grimsby have looked absolutely desperate recently, miserable form, and the squad looks all over the place. So so this is genuinely just a, a bit of public support, I guess, backing for a manager that I think has, I think is a good manager and I think can build good teams. Now, it might be might be easier said than done at this stage of the season. But um, yeah, I've got Grimsby staying up. I've got Scunthorpe going down just because I, I can't say... I can't say the same about their manager Neil Cox. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't think. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that um, Grimsby's squad is very strong, but I also don't think that Scunthorpe's squad is particularly strong. I know that they've got some good players that we've mentioned at times. Um, you know, certainly out wide with Issa and Gilead, McAtee. I'm a fan of, but I, I don't know. I just, I quite often. I quite often take a look at the starting eleven. And I quite often look a bit deeper into the performances and and just don't think there's a huge amount to this Scunthorpe side. So yeah, I'm 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 going Scunny and I'm going South End. I also don't think that that South End's good run of form is particularly sustainable. It it genuinely feels like they've managed to make a deal with the devil, where like having had the worst eighteen months of an EFL club since we've been doing this pod, they then were allowed to have a, a one month or two month period where like everything they did worked out by which I mean, like all the players that have joined recently, Hackett Fairchild scoring three minutes into his debut. Um, mm. Who was it? Akinola and Sam Hart as well, combining as soon as they were allowed to play. It all just seems a little bit too perfect. And I don't think we should sit here and say like, yes, those three guys have come in. And that just means they're now a mid-table team, and they'll get out of it. I think there are. I think there's another tough run to come, and uh, I think they might find it tough to get out of it. So there you go. Um, any? I mean, your big riser was Mansfield. Have you nominated yeah. a big faller? Colchester. Uh, they're twelfth at the moment um, with twenty-nine points. I think they have been very lucky to get there. They're another side who, data-wise, really struggled. Their last four games is their twenty-third. Um, looking a bit further back. They are ranked bottom for last eight games and last 12 games and last 16 games. And a season to date, they are second bottom. They are the data nerds nightmare. And normally we think that this stuff will play out on the pitch. It's kind of started to do so. Their recent form has been very poor indeed. Um, they have, they're winless in their last five. They lost to Cambridge, Morecambe and Southend, um, their coming games don't look particularly easy either. They're playing against two of those sides again, Cambridge and Morecambe. Um, they're a side who could easily slip um, all the way down towards the bottom end of the table. And I expect that to happen unless something changes. Yeah, I've got Cambridge as my big fallers. And again, this is this is partly just the very nature of their current position in third place. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to call it a false position because they, although they've played, they played basically one or two games more than most of the teams around them. Um, but I just think there's a strong group of teams behind them uh, who I think are just, uh, I just predict to have a stronger second half of the season. Cambridge seemingly cannot keep a clean sheet at the moment, uh, and my feeling is that they're not, they're not that good going forward that that can just completely be mitigated by, you know, not being able to keep a clean sheet can be mitigated by being able to score two or three goals every time. I don't think that's necessarily the case with them. So although Wes Houlihan has been marvellous, especially uh, in, in individual games this season, and Mullin, of course, the top scorer in the whole EFL, there's just something about it that, that doesn't feel sustainable to me. So I would predict a drop from Cambridge, um, the big fallers. Uh, and I had Mansfield as the, the big risers in League Two. So guys, um, we need something from you now. If you want to be in with a chance of winning £50 Classic Football Shirts voucher or 
uh, or alternatively uh, a replica shirt of your EFL team if you would prefer uh, and a £25 donation to a charity of your choice at the end of the season please do tweet us you have to quote tweet the um, the, the the tweet that is pinned to the top of our profile and you have to quote tweet it with the seven teams that you think will be automatically promoted from the three EFL leagues so two in the championship two in league one and three in league two you've heard what we think I don't think we've been necessarily that convincing, you know, at times here, George. It's, <laughs> it's really tough. It's really tough at the moment, isn't it? It is tough. It's- yeah, yeah, it is. It is, especially because the narratives and the form lines, everything changes so quickly because there are so many matches. Um, normally, it takes a whole season for us to look stupid, whereas here it could be by the end of January, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what other people come up with. Good stuff. Well, I'm much more confident in uh, recommending the Skybet EFL Rewards app, uh, our sponsors, because just so many chances to win cool stuff, basically, um, with very little effort needed. Download the app from the App Store. It's the Skybet EFL Rewards app. If you play and win the predictor, uh, then you'll win a signed shirt from your team. The details of that are in the app, of course. But also, if you just check into each of your team's games through the app, You'll play the spinner for a chance to win uh, free iFollow or match streaming passes, uh, copies of Football Manager 2021, of course, a replica EFL Balls, which is the one that I really want to win, and, of course, signed shirts as well. Tons of rewards up for grabs and being given away each week on the Skybet EFL Rewards app, and we thank them for their support of this podcast as well. Thank you, guys. Uh, we've got a busy week ahead, as always. We've got a couple of games scattered around the leagues in midweek. Um, And we'll be back certainly on Thursday with a betting show ahead of the weekend. We'll have a totally football league show extra time for you as well on Thursday. We'll get some good guests lined up for that. Uh, And just a a big thank you for all your support early on in 2021. Please do get involved in our predictions game by quote tweeting the tweet at the top of our Twitter page. And thanks for listening.